Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest, Noop Dillard, who is the epitome of a serial entrepreneur. But before I do, I want to remind you of two things. First, if you like what you hear here on Dear Founder, please take a sec and leave us a rating or review. I would so appreciate it. And second, as we talk about entrepreneurship today and every day, I want to remind you to grab one of my free guides over on my website. I've put together some great resources on how to get your business started, the tools you need, and how to tame the social media beast. Just visit lindsaypinchuk.com slash freebie to grab one of my free guides today. So I absolutely love today's conversation with Snoop Dillard, a Detroit-born woman who went from teen mother to one of the most high-profile Black entrepreneurs in Atlanta. While we discuss her incredible success today, it wasn't always that way, and she's really open and honest about the long road and the many bumps it took to get over in order for her to get to where she is now. Dillard is nationally known as the owner of Crave Restaurant, Members Only, which is an exclusive VIP lounge catering to Atlanta celebrities, socialites, and business owners, Escobar Restaurant and Tapas Lounge, and Escobar South, which she owns with superstar rapper 2 Chains. Recently, Dillard and 2 Chains also owned Esco Seafood, a multi-level seafood restaurant, which is open daily from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. Dillard also founded Remedy Spa and Salon Suites, which are 22 fully leased salon suites. Today, they have opened three locations. Dillard is a really busy woman, and I'm so grateful for the time that she spent talking to me today. So come on in and meet Snoop Dillard. All right. Today on Dear Found Her, we have a very special guest, Snoop Dillard, who in her 30s has accomplished more than many people do in a century of living on this earth. She is a teen mom who became one of the most high-profile Black entrepreneurs in Atlanta, she owns restaurants, clubs, spas, salon suites. She does all of this, but she also teaches courses in financial literacy and supports others who also want to build a business. And Snoop, before I have you go into your story, I have to ask you, do you sleep? <laughs> yes, I do. I work very hard, but I definitely believe in balance. I believe in getting rest. You know, as you said, I'm in my 30s. I don't want to look like I'm in my 40s because you know, us as entrepreneurs, we have to have that self-care. And so that's something that a few years ago that I decided that I would not trade, you know, for working hard. So yes, I do sleep with everything going on. I have a, a, a really good team behind me. Good. And we'll get into that for sure. But, you know, you have a very impressive story and a very impressive resume. And so before we get into the nitty gritty of the conversation, I would love for you to take us through your journey becoming a serial entrepreneur. Sure. Um, so for me, I was born and raised in Detroit. My, my family, we actually moved to Nashville, Tennessee, right before I went to high school. So I went to high school in Nashville. 
Uh, I also went to college there. I went to Vanderbilt University, um, which is known as a top 20 school, uh, top 20 academics, top 20 in partying. So I learned quite a bit at Vanderbilt, not only how to get an education, but how to have a good time as well. So uh, after I graduated from Vanderbilt, I really did not know what I wanted to do and get into. Just like, you know, a lot of our youth today, you know, I always say that they should have a class where you can kind of go out and get some hands-on experience so that people can see exactly what it is that they want to major in or what uh, profession that they may want to pick up as a career. But my great-grandmother had a financial advisor that was very, very savvy that she was very fond of and always spoke about that had me interested in economics and finances. And so I decided to go into uh, being a financial advisor right after I graduated from school. So I got my Series 7 and 66 licenses, life and health insurance licenses, and started being a financial advisor, which I initially did like because um, it allowed me to, you know, pretty much work on my own, make my own schedule and get a feel for um, being self-employed, but under a very well-known umbrella with the Mayor Price Financial at the time. Um, and so what ended up happening that kind of was the, the change in my life was that they decided to close their office there in Cool Springs, which is a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee. And so when they did that, we either had the option of continuing to, you know, stay in the career take or take a severance package and just kind of move on. And so I took a severance package and I um, went to another company where I was able to be an independent broker. Um, I started getting into real estate and then just something happened. You know, um, as young people, sometimes we just kind of start getting into to other things. And so um, I had a girlfriend at the time who was a model and she was involved in a lot of nightlife things. And um, I started dibbling and dabbling myself back at Vanderbilt. I was a DJ and I threw parties. And so I started, you know, throwing parties on the side and just having this whole totally different like corporate lifestyle. And then once that was done with, it was, you know, the nightlife. And so um, I ended up doing a calendar with some some girls in Nashville, Tennessee. We called it Wet Doms in the Key. And so with doing this calendar, after that, we had to sell the calendar. So I started a model management company. I had all of the girls signed to my management label. So I learned how to manage models and um, R&B artists and rappers at the time. And then I started promoting parties and having the girls host the party so that we could sell the calendar. Everything was surrounded by selling the calendar initially. And so being a promoter, it allowed me to see the other side of the coin and to see what it was like, you know, to be in lounges and clubs. And I decided that, hey, you know, I don't want to be the promoter. That's kind of down here. I want to be the owner. And so um, I started hanging out with various owners and picking their brains. And I decided that that was what I wanted to do was open up my first lounge. And I ended up doing that at the age of 24 in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, unfortunately, I did it with some people who had claimed to be much more experienced than they were. And 
They were supposed to be getting the licenses while I was doing a lot of the, you know, work as far as inside of the lounge, you know, with some of the workers and getting some of the operations set up. And they weren't. We ended up opening without our licenses, which is a huge no-no. And so we had a grand opening, grand closing. And every dime I had was sunk into this business and I ended up losing everything. Um, And so... After that, I, you know, really didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I had lost everything um, at, at around the age of 24. And so I started uh, working for this sales company. Um, it was a third party sales company doing B2B business sales. And we were on a work trip in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And a couple guys that I was real cool with, uh, they had went to a convenience store and they saw this newspaper that was sitting on the counter. It was called Just Busted. And what it was is it was one of those mugshot newspapers that has the mugshots of people that have been arrested. And it was a weekly publication. Um, and they were like, wow, this is so cool. You know, we literally, while we were inside this store, for about five minutes, we saw two or three people come in, you know, to buy the new article that had just, um, you know, that had just been placed on the shelves. And so um, they brought the idea to me. And, you know, I, I was up all night thinking about it. And, and that's how I feel like, you know, you know, you've got a good business idea, you know, when you can't even sleep. It's like the first thing you think about when you wake up, last thing you think about when you're going to sleep. So, Um, I ended up venturing into a partnership with one of those guys to bring that same concept to Nashville, Tennessee, because they had not come to Nashville yet. And so um, we did that together. And I mean, just as quickly as we get it off the ground, um, the guy just proved to not be a very trustworthy business partner, you know, was already still in, you know, within week one. So um, I ended up stepping away from that business and just kind of said to myself, you know, no amount of money is worth my peace. You know, I always felt like I was having to look over him and, you know, all these different things. I think we probably were in partnership together for about a month, you know, before I stepped away and just said, hey, you can have it. <laughs> and so I ended up going to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, which is probably about two hours from Nashville um, and starting my own edition of the publication there. And so um, ended up just working super hard. I remember I was going there, you know, once a week um, to, you know, put my papers out and then, you know, to collect my money. And, you know, I was, you know, in the beginning of a business when you're trying to save money, I was at times sleeping in my car, sleeping in, you know, motels, not hotels, but motels <laughs> to the point I've, I've, you know, encountered bed bugs and everything, uh, you know, going through this. But of course, you know, the things that you go through when you're trying to get your business off the ground. And so um, it ended up becoming successful. I, you know, later did additions in um, Louisville, Kentucky, um, in Western Kentucky, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, and then I eventually moved to Atlanta um, about two years after I had started this publication and I did an edition in Atlanta. Um, now, one thing about doing this publication, it was not something that I was totally in love with. It ended up becoming a business that was just the business to pay the bills. Um, I didn't really have to work much. You know, I was only probably working maybe about two days, two or three days a week out of the seven days a week. And I didn't have to use a lot of my brain power, but um, it didn't challenge me. I didn't enjoy it. And honestly, I was a little embarrassed to even say that I did it (laughs) and to even say that it was my paper because um, it was a newspaper that kind of 
joke that it made fun of people, you know, at some of their their weaker moments. Um, and, you know, I've been arrested myself, so um, I can understand, you know, how that can be. And so um, I ended up eventually getting out of that because the guy who was working for me, um, we were super, super close. Um, but once I, I moved to Atlanta, he kind of turned on me and decided that he wanted to have his own paper. And so he ended up convincing, you know, he was managing, you know, the paper. So he ended up convincing a lot of the people that work for us um, to quit working for me and to work for him. And essentially, he just kind of went in behind me to the same stores that we were selling in. So like, for example, the paper was sold for a dollar. So some of these stores, well, we tell them, okay, for each paper we sell, we'll give you 10 cents, 15 cents or whatever. So he knew, you know, he had the whole sheet of the list of stores, what we were giving them. And so he just came in one day and said, hey, we're not going to do this paper anymore. This is now the name of it. And I'll run you the same deal. And so <laughs> by the time I got wind oh my God. it, I know by the time I got wind of it and, and, you know, I got up there to start collecting my papers and stuff. Um, and they were just like, OK, well, we don't need two of these papers. We're just going to go with his. He's the one we've been seeing, you know, so we're going to go with his. Good luck, young lady. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it literally brought tears to my eyes because this guy was kind of like a, I don't say like a father figure to me, but maybe like an uncle or something like that, you know, much older guy who, um, you, you know, probably I, respected too. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought we respected each other, you know. Um, long story short, once that happened, um, I just decided to walk away from that business as well, um, because I felt like that there was no way I could beat him out. You know, I was not living there local. I would did not want to live in Knoxville. Um, and then this also was not a business where I was just making a substantial amount of money. You know, I probably made about fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Um, not bad for two days worth of work. But, you know, I had bigger, better dreams and goals. Um, but when that did happen, I honestly I didn't know what I was going to do, Lindsay. Now, at this time, I'm having to start over once again for the second time in my life. The first time was when I was 24. Um, at this point, you know, I'm now living in this new city, Atlanta. Um, and I think I was probably maybe about 26, you know, at this time. Now, so you're young and you're young. I mean, yes. 26 is young. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Now, I also, you know, had still had my knack for real estate. So remember, I was saying I was doing financial advice and I was doing real estate initially. So I still had my knack for real estate. And I had this one house that I was flipping um, that finally sold, you know, in the nick of time. I think I was maybe down to like my last 500 bucks, you know, and I had kind of started like a little t-shirt line. I was uh, just selling little odds and ends. I mean, I was doing everything under the sun I could to try to make a buck, everything legal, um, you know, to, to try to make a buck. And so anyways, this house finally sold in the nick of time. I was down to my last 500 bucks and I ended up, you know, having about $37,000 in cash once this house sold. And it was like, okay, what's my next move? What am I going to do? I know whatever I put this money into, it just has to work. And so I ended up, um, I had recently celebrated my birthday and I had rented a party bus. I had always just really liked party buses, thought they were a great time. And so I rented a party bus and, um, me and my friends really enjoyed it. And I was telling my girlfriend at the time, you know, I think I want to do something with party buses. And she said, you know, um, she was, you know, very, um, you know, 
financially, you know, uh, in, a, in a good place, you know, at the time. And she said, you know, well, I'm going to I'll go in half with you, but you don't have to spend, you know, all of your last money in this. And so we started that party bus company together and it ended up being very, very successful. And so um, I had that party bus company probably for about the next five years. But once again, this was a business that I did not love as well. I was also driving the buses initially at first, you know, in the beginning of a business, you have to also, you know, it's like, you know, you're working, you're trying to work in the business, on the business. You're wearing (laughs) every hat imaginable. Every single hat, you know what I mean? Um, Until you're able to make enough money to replace yourself. So, um, we, I was, I was driving the bus on the weekend. I never realized how much I, I dislike being around drunk people, especially when you're the only sober one. <laughs> um, and just realized I, ju- I just did not like transportation, you know. So um, I, shortly after that, I would say probably had this company for about three and a half years at the time. And decided that I wanted to get back into nightlife. I wanted to try my hand again. You know, the first time when I got that first place at 24, we were shut down in a couple months and I lost everything. I said, okay, I will never try this again. This is not for me. And so I got to Atlanta and I saw how people were so into smoking hookah and lounges and going out. And it was just such a different, you know, place from from Nashville, Tennessee, And I said, well, hey, you know what? Maybe I can do this here. So I found a a little spot that was just literally a hole in the wall. I mean, it was so little, Lindsay. It it probably was about, I think, uh, Hookah Hideaway was maybe about 900 square feet. Oh, my God. Yes. But my rent was only $1,100. And I said, you know what? I I cannot lose. I can't lose. How can you lose with something when your rent is only $1,100? I can pay this off one night of being open. And so I went ahead and moved forward with it, put faith into it. And that kind of opened up the doors and led me to where I am today. So I started the Hookah Hideaway, um, I think maybe about eight years ago today. It was very wildly successful. I was able to get the first little space that I had was only about 600 square feet. Um, the little space that they also own next door, um, the, the person who was supposed to get that, they ended up not doing what they want, wanted to do with it. And it was up for available. They gave me the first rights to refusal. And I got that, knocked the wall down, added a kitchen, and, and it just kind of blew the business up, you know, and it was very, very wildly successful. Um, after that, I decided that I wanted to do more lounges. I just kind of feel like when you you have something and you got it down, pat, hey, why not duplicate it? Um, and so I wanted to, I ended up doing another spot in Macon um, that did not work out well. I had I had hooked up with a couple of guys that were promoters for me that just really didn't have any experience. And they wanted to bring me to the table because they felt like they needed someone with experience. However, they didn't listen to me. And so once again, (laughs) I walked away from that business venture because I'm just the type of person. I'm not going to let you stress me out. You know, if you're not listening to me and all of this stuff, I'm, I'm just not. And I had also gotten a deal. Um, to open up a spot with two chains. And uh, that ended up coming about because I wanted to open up a second location in Atlanta. And the realtor that I was working with, he knew one of two chains business managers and realtors. And um, the the spot that I really wanted, I ended up not getting because they didn't want to put another lounge there. And but he said, you know, hey, there's actually another spot that's right down the street that um, is available, you know, it, it's actually owned by a very known, well-known rapper, um, and he's heard of you. 
and wants to do business with you. <clears throat> and so at the time that I actually got that news, I had went on a trip to Jamaica. And when I was coming back from Jamaica, I actually was stopped by a law enforcement agent in the airport. And, you know, I just, you know, I thought maybe it was something with my passport. At the time, I hadn't been out of the country, you know, more than one or two times, you know, so wasn't used to flying in and out of the country like I am now. And, um, you know, they had kind of came up to me, grabbed me by the arm. Well, come to find out there was a warrant out for my arrest in Tennessee that I didn't even know about. And it stemmed from that whole newspaper thing. What happened was um, with the newspaper company, uh, the last check that I had wrote to the newspaper company ended up bouncing because the guy that was, you know, working for me, the older guy that I was telling you about, well, when he collected all of the rest of the money, he didn't put it into the account. You know, he he used it to help jumpstart his business. Um, so I had a bounce check with them that, I, that you know, never cleared up. You know, me just kind of being young, I was just like, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, they did their due diligence and they they filed it the proper way and it ended up catching up to me years later. While oh my God. And in a much better place in life. And so um, I actually had to spend about two weeks in jail until I was extradited to Nashville. And then as soon as I got to Nashville, they dropped it. It was crazy. <laughs> oh my God. What a yeah. headache. Yes. But while I was in jail, um, I was able to speak to that realtor. Um, you know, just one day I was I was there and I was just down and low and not in good spirits and just needed a good pick me up or some good news. And so I was talking to a good friend of mine and I said, hey, I said, do me a favor and call that real call my call that realtor for me so I can, you know, check on that spot. And so that was when he told me that. I didn't get the spot that I wanted, but that there was another one that was available and that it was owned by um, a very you know, famous rapper that was from Atlanta. You know, he would want to be a part of it. You know, he wanted to do business with me as well. And, you know, so I, I asked him, I'm like, you know, who is it? And he's like, two chains. And I was just like, oh, OK. And so. Um, I remember just feeling so exhilarated and and that just literally gave me a glimpse of hope at such a down point in my life, you know. And um, once I ended up getting back to Atlanta, you know, from Nashville, I probably met up with with two chains about two days later, um, him, myself and our two realtors. And I remember just being super nervous and not because I was meeting him. I've never been a starstruck person um, at all, but because I knew that if this conversation went well and that if we did this partnership, that it would totally change. the. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's not about the person and the fact, I mean, because anyone is a person just like you or me. It's you were nervous about what could be from this yeah. and you wanted yeah. to make sure it was a successful conversation and a successful meeting. Yes. I think that, you know, we have trajectory moments in life that totally shape or change our life path. And um, that was definitely one for me. I almost started getting a little emotional right there. But um, that was definitely one, you know, moving to Atlanta was one for me. And then when I met him, um, that was one for me. And he also says that it was one for him as well, because, you know, I've been able to, you know, he still to this day knows nothing about the restaurant industry. And you know, was able to get this deal with Crystals because he's, you know, now has these restaurants, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, deemed to, you know, people think that, you know, but he. That's like, that's 
you're you're summarizing the epitome of a positive and professional and productive relationship mm-hmm. because it goes both ways. Yep. Yep. It does. It does. It does. So um, there's been some benefit definitely on both ends. So, um, you know, once I met him, I mean, the rest is just history. You know, we own four restaurants together. Um, I own five total, you know, myself, one um, on my own, four with him um, that we partner on. Uh, we've just recently decided to franchise, you know, our Escobar brand. And so we're in the process of doing that. Um, and then I later, you know, have just done so many other business ventures, you know, aside from that, I've got um, my Remedy Spa and Salon Suites brand. I have three locations here in Atlanta. Um, I also have a course where I teach people how to um, do their own salon suite business um, because it's a great source of passive income. It's a, a joint venture between, you know, the real estate industry and the beauty industry, two multi-billion dollar industries. Um, also have a dispensary um, that myself, Two Chains, and a, probably about 20 other people um, opened on Hollywood Boulevard and Vine Street in LA. Um, I've got uh, so many venture capitalist deals, you know, that I'm a part of. And so um, it just has definitely been a, a blessing. It's been a long journey, a long ride of, of ups, downs, tears, <laughs> blood. But it's an amazing blood. journey. And uh, first of all, congratulations, because I think, you know, I, I really I sat back and really wanted to listen to I, I, there were so many moments when you were sharing that, that I was like, I want to ask, you know, I want to ask something, but I saw you right now. <laughs> I was, I wrote down a ton of questions, but you know, you are the epitome of, of an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur who tried a lot of things. You were patient, even when you weren't patient, probably, you know, I mean, the patience comes with this. And I think it's really important to know and to show people that you can pivot you can, you know, you can make those changes that you're going to fail along the way and that success like yours doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't. It doesn't. And because so many, I, I think all too often, especially now with social media and how everyone looks and perceives things, perception is not reality. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to think that someone's success that they see online or a moment or a snapshot is an overnight sensation. and. Mm-hmm you sharing this story that started when you were 24 years old, maybe earlier, and now you're in your thirties. First of all, I'm like blown away by how much you've accomplished at such a young age. And second of all, it just really shows that you have to stick with it. Yes, you do. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. 
The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So when you, I want to go back because I, I really um, admire the fact that you share the things that didn't go right. And I think with those things that didn't go right, my guess is you learned a lot mm-hmm. and a lot that paved the way for where you are now. Um, but you, you know, you lost everything on that first lounge and, and in reading about it online, you know, you called that a pivotal moment. And mm-hmm. so what was that pivotal moment and what do you do in that moment when you realize that everything's gone? I mean, how do you dig yourself out from that? Because that is something that is a very common for business owners. More common than we know because people don't talk about it. I think what's important is when you're going through that, number one, like you have no choice but to keep going. What else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Um, You know, you can't just lay down and die. You know, Steve Harvey had, you know, made a comment, you know, when you're going through hell, why stop there? (laughs) You know, you got to keep going. And so it was a pivotal moment for me because it would later happen again. And when it happened again, it taught me, hey, I'm going to come out of this. I've come out of it before, you know, and I think the more you go through in life, the stronger it makes you, you know, because you realize that, hey, this isn't going to take me down. You know, I've, I've been through much worse. You know what I mean? And so that was was what it really taught me um, going through that situation, you know, having you know, so many people, so many friends around me, you know what I mean? Because I'm I'm the cool lounge owner, club owner. <laughs> and then, you know, two months later, it's gone. And I'm literally by myself, you know, trying to figure it out. Nobody was wanting to hang out and, you know, be around me then. So um, that was what it taught me. And I, I think, you know, as business owners, and it's so true what you say, you know, now it's different now, you know, because, you know, we do have social media. And, you know, uh, it's funny because even in, in talking to this with you, you know, I kind of want to go back and post some of my older videos that are like this, where I talk about some of these moments and some of these things, you know, um, because, you know, now it's like, you know, people see you in the cars and, you know, with the house and um, it's like, you know, I want that. But, you know, the glory is in the story. You know what I mean? The glory is in the road it took to get there. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to just have that. Just like a lot of the celebrities that people see and they want to be like, you know, they have a whole story. It used to be a show behind the music, you know, and all of these other shows that would tell their story and the hardships that they went through, the cars they had to sleep in, being homeless, you know, all of these different things. And um, it really sucks for the younger generation now because they don't get a lot of that. You know, they just see people being successful and they they want it instantly. They want it overnight. And it it never happens. That no, way. it never happens overnight. Never. And I I so appreciate your honesty in that. And, you know, along that same note, you talked a lot about when you as you were sharing your story with me about knowing in your gut that it was the right thing to step away from things. And I just from this short time that we've talked and we've been talking, I can tell you know when you know. And and uh-huh. and and I think that that is another skill that is learned over time. That's not something, you know, the first time that happens to you, you're like shit, you know, like oh my god, like but then later on when something else happens to you, it's you build upon that previous experience and you learn to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of being a business owner is trusting your gut. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, and so how like how would you how would you share with other entrepreneurs one the importance of that because I think sometimes we doubt ourselves and mm-hmm. two 
how, how you were able to get to that place where you could trust yourself and trust your gut. Um, walking away is hard. It is. And so I think there's a, a few different layers to that. So trusting your gut. So that comes with so many different things. Number one, um, just even as an entrepreneur, when you're hiring people and you're dealing with people, you know, you've got to have discernment. And I think that that is something that only comes over time, you know, with dealing with so many people and situations and things of that nature. Um, now, trusting your gut when it comes to business and, and when to walk away. So for me, I was walking away from situations where um I had a business partner. Number one, the business had had not been open for long, you know, so there wouldn't have been a lot to fight for anyway. Um, so it's like, hey, I can go do this again. I, I did this one. This 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 got started because of me. So it's nothing for me to walk away and let you have this and, and you steal and all of that stuff and do what you want to do. And I just go do this somewhere else. So um, once I get to the place where I see something, it's just not going to be worth my peace of mind. It's just going to be too stressful. Then that's what I do now. Then there's and it's knowing that, too. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupt, but it's mm-hmm. knowing that, too, and understanding that because there is a price that comes along with being stressed and, and giving up your peace of mind. Yes. and so. You, it's knowing that it's okay yep. to make that break. Yep. And then there's another layer of that. So knowing when to walk away from a business or sell a business, you know what I mean? Because either, hey, it's time, there's an opportunity on the table or things aren't going well, or, hey, we're going to do something differently. You know what I mean? So it's like, for example, right now, my restaurants are not peaches and creams post pandemic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a whole totally different ballgame. Am I going to walk away from them? Absolutely not. These are restaurants that have been successful for years. We're just going through something due to the economy, inflation, um, food prices, labor shortages, etc. This is something that I know that will correct itself. So I'm not going to walk away from this. You know what I mean? It's stressful, but it's good stress. It's stress that I know that will correct itself eventually over time. You know what I mean? So um, I think there's there's different layers to that. Thank so, you for saying that and di- making the two distinguish, mm-hmm. like distinguishing when you would walk away and when you wouldn't. Because right. I think that's important. It's not about just giving up and giving in. Absolutely. It's, it's and, understanding and, now, the the, and weighing your options. Valuable. So I ain't walking away. I'm selling. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm getting some millions and and selling, you know. Um, And so I I also think because so many people don't think about their exit plan and they don't set their businesses up in a way to be able to sell them. So they end up walking away, you know what I mean? And and not getting anything when it's like, you know, you could have sold it, you know? Um, So I think that that's very important. A lot of people kind of start businesses and think they're going to have this business for 15, 20 years or whatever, but you know, things change, things in your life change, you know, your passions change. Um, And so, you know, because I can even see me right now, you know, a couple of years from now, it's going to be a corporation started and, and a whole board that's going to be running these businesses versus me, you know, because once I'm no longer in my 30s and I'm in my 40s, you know, I definitely want to have more time for family versus having to, you know, go check on four or five restaurants, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> Wait, you you talked about an experience early on that I would surmise played has played a lot of 
played into your the success of what you're doing now. And I want to bring it up because we did we you we kind of you kind of touched upon it, but I thought it was very interesting. You talked about the calendar that you made and you talked about the fact that you built this whole experience and this whole community around one thing, which was selling the calendar. Mm-hmm. And I would guess that 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 creation of the experience and the community also is something that goes into what you're doing right now with your restaurant. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely, it was my first, you know, glimpse into, you know, nightlife and entertainment for sure. Well, but not only that, like, I think a lot of times people see a product and they, they know they have to transact and they sell and they have to sell it, but Mm -hmm. they don't understand the things that they can do around that product to Mm -hmm. sell the product. Mm -hmm. And it's not just necessarily about the product. It's about the communication with the audience and the community. And it's about the experience. And you created this experience to sell something. You had a goal, but a lot of people buying the calendar probably didn't even realize that that's what they were there for. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, and like, I'm sure with your restaurants now you have this community as mm-hmm. well. And you have people who are repeat customers and they come together and it, yeah. it very much was something that was built early on in your career. And you probably at, and you, at the time, you didn't even realize it. Very true. Very true. You know, I just, I thought it was very interesting. Um, you, you do a lot of giving back. I, I do want to talk about your classes and, and how you support entrepreneurs in a second, but um, you do a lot of pouring back into the community. And I would love for you to share a little bit about that and also why as an entrepreneur, it is so important. Yes. Um, so her impact foundation is my foundation that I give back through. Um, we do France giving, um, where we go out into the community and feed the homeless. Um, we feed the homeless consistently anyway. Some of our restaurants are, are literally, you know, we've got homeless people that we can see walking into them. You know what I mean? Um, in Atlanta, um, unfortunately, you know, we have a really big, uh, probably when it comes to poverty and having a, a high number of homeless individuals here. So uh, we do coat drives, uh, we do pamper drives, you know, being a teen mom, um, that of course, so, so just a lot of things that I've been through that um, I needed help with along the way. Um, now that I'm in a place to be able to give back, that's very important to me. And I think as an entrepreneur, uh never forget, you know, those challenges, you know, that you went through, um, because you do kind of, you know, put it all on the line and, you know, at times, you know, you feel it, you know, and so I think it's, it's very important to make sure that you give back to others, um, in so many different ways, not only, you know, monetarily, but also, you know, with helping other individuals to become business owners as well. And I, that's what, I, that brings me to my next question. I, I know you do a ton. You have your classes and you have your courses and workshops. And I so admire the fact that you've used your experience to build a platform that can help others to achieve the dreams that you have achieved. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you do that. And some of the biggest lessons that you think are important for people who are coming up in this business world. Sure. 
Um, so I've got, you know, my company DHG University is where I do a lot of my financial literacy training. We do credit repair. Um, we teach people how to build business credit. Um, and then I have more courses, courses.whoisnoop.com, uh, where people can learn how to open up their own salon suite, open up their own restaurant, open up their own business, um, learn how to save and invest. Just a lot of things that I've learned along the years. What are what are some of the things that you think are really important for entrepreneurs to know and, and kind of the why behind this? You know, you've used um, your I own experience. The main things is financial literacy, you know, having good credit. You know, you cannot, you know, even be able to get the funding that you need for your business if you don't have good credit and understand not only having good credit, but how to utilize it, how to leverage it you know, to actually help your business and and push your business forward, you know, because there will come a time, I don't care what business you're in, there will come a time where there are slow moments and things of that nature. And, you know, you may need some extra funding or um, little different things like that, you know, to be able to, you know, push through. Um, Also just, you know, I speak a lot about having a good network around you. So, you know, CPAs, um, attorneys, you know, different things of that nature um, that, that really help to, uh, create, you know, a good business foundation for you, you know, to be able to run a good business. So I have two more things I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to give you the rest of your day back. But I always <laughs> ask everyone at the end of these interviews to name three concrete actions that an entrepreneur could take today when they're starting out, or if they're starting out, or if they have an idea, or, you know, maybe someone started a business and they're kind of in a rut. What are three things that you would advise? an entrepreneur to do? Um, Number one, make sure before you even get started that you have researched what it is that you want to do. A lot of people are learning as they go way too much and it costs way too much money when you do that. Um, two, make sure you get a good mentor there. I mean, this is like the day and age of courses and mentorships. And um, there's some fluff out there, of course, um, but there's a lot of people that do know what they're doing and they're extending that information, you know, for a small fee. You know, I have several mentors. I have several mentorships that I've purchased, you know what I mean, to be able to continue to educate myself and become a bigger and better business leader. So, so important. Um, you know, we, we can never stop learning. Uh, and then I think the third thing is just, you know, having faith, you know, so uh, making sure that, you know, you stay prayed up, uh, whatever that may look like, you know, to you. Uh, but, you know, you've got to be able to have that faith. There's going to be some dark moments, some dark times, you know, it's not going to be all you know, million dollar years and and different things of that nature. And so, um, you know, you have to have that and you always have to remember your why, you know, why you get started. That's a great segue into my last question, because you talked about having that glimmer of hope during a really down point in your life when you were stuck in that jail in Jamaica. And how do you find that glimmer of hope during your darkest moments? I think for me, just, you know, visualizing and and remembering back to when times were better um, and and kind of taking a step back and and realizing, okay, it's not always going to be like this. What do I need to do? What are the small things that I can focus on to get back to where I need to be? Let me kind of step away. Um, Of course, remember the bigger picture. But let me focus on just some of the little small things that I need to do. Like, let's let's not worry about the big goals right now. OK, this may not be a million dollar year. You know what I mean? But 
and maybe a $200,000 a year, you know, what do we need to do to just push forward? Snoop Dillard, thank you so much for your time, for being here, for your wisdom, for sharing your story, your incredible story. I, it's insane what you've accomplished. Congratulations. And thank I so appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you as well. Thank you for having me. Of course. I told you Snoop's story is amazing and what she's accomplished at such a young age is remarkable. She had some incredible takeaways from our conversation in today's episode, so get out your pen and paper. Number one, sleep, rest, balance, and self-care are incredibly important. Number two, success doesn't happen overnight. You have to pivot, make changes, and find the light in each moment. Number three, when things go wrong, you have no choice but to keep going. When something goes wrong once, it teaches you how to handle the situation when something goes wrong again. Number four, the more you go through in life, the stronger it makes you. Number five, this is my favorite. The glory is in the story. The glory is in the road that it took to get there. People want overnight success, but it never happens that way. Number six, once something's not going to be worth peace of mind, and it's going to be stressful, you need to know that it's okay to make the break. Number seven, having good credit and knowing how to leverage it is going to help you push your business forward. The day might come that you need some extra funding, and it's important to understand how that works. Have a good network around you, CPAs, attorneys, and others to create a good business foundation. Number eight, make sure that before you get started, you research what it is that you want to do. A lot of people learn as they go, and that costs them way too much money along the way. Number nine, get a good mentor. There are so many opportunities in today's world. You can even pay a small a small fee to get a great mentor. Number 10, have faith. Whatever that looks like to you, make sure that you have faith. Remember your why. Thank you so much, Snoop Dillard, for being here today. And thank you so much to everyone who's joined us and who's joining us each and every week for our two episodes. Make sure that you follow at Lindsay Pinchuk and Dear Found Her on Instagram. You can also go to lindsaypinchuk.com slash freebie to download some of my tips, tools, and resources for starting a business and for managing the social media beast. Don't forget, join the Dear Found Her Facebook community where we discuss how to propel your success. I go live there regularly and share lessons to answer all of your questions. Plus, that's where I share all of the information about any upcoming workshops, talks, or other special events that I might be holding. We have some amazing guests coming up, so please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts follow us wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has so many ideas just like Snoop or who started a business or who has an amazing idea for a business, please text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Make sure to tag me and I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. I'll be back next week with another great episode of Dear Founder. 